Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991. To Boston, Bloomberg 1200. To San Francisco, Bloomberg 960. To the country, Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Taking Stock. I'm Kathleen Hayes, along with Pim Fox. Well, certainly one of the biggest factors in the big, big drop in the stock market in the first quarter of 2016 was the Chinese economy slowing down, dropping below 7% as it moves from an export-led to a consumer-led economy. As the stock market recovers, people try to place their bets on investments for the rest of the year. What do we really need to know about China? We're going to find out in a new book coming up now, Pim. Yes, and we are also going to get some business news right now from Catherine Cowdery in the Bloomberg Newsroom. Thank you, Pam. The downward momentum continuing on Wall Street today. The S&P 500 headed for its worst two-day drop since February amid disappointing earnings reports. Gilead Sciences is the biggest drag on the benchmark index after its profit fell short of analyst estimates, and Apple is declining for a seventh session. Richard Dobbs, director of research at McKinsey, says investors should be prepared for lower equity and fixed income returns. So the um, returns that we've seen in the last um uh, the, the, the last 30 years for both equities and bonds have been on average uh, around 2% uh, for equities and 4% for bonds, more than the 100-year average. So it's been a great period in terms of returns. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. Dow Industrial Average is down 200, it's down 125 points. That's a loss of seven tenths of a percent. It's trading at 17,705. S&P 500 down 19 points, nearly 1%, trading at 2,056. The Nasdaq is down 49 points, a loss of 1%, trading at 47.55. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil down 12 cents a barrel to 45.91. Spot rolled up $26 a ounce to 12.92.30. Ten-year Treasury down 3.30 seconds, yield 1.83%. Among today's top business stories, Valiant Pharmaceuticals International is trying to put the worst of its problems behind it. Valiant has announced a shakeup of its board and filing a long-awaited annual report where it promised significant changes to its strategy and better oversight of its executives. It blamed senior managers for problems that have sent the stock down more than 80% since last August and that put the company at risk of defaulting on its debt. It is 2.32 on Wall Street, and that means it's time to get an update on some of the other stories we're following today on Bloomberg Radio. Catherine, thank you. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crompton. The Obama administration is proposing new rules for people applying for jobs. Bloomberg's Michael Barr with more on the story. Several employers will look into a job applicant's past for any criminal records or their credit history. The Obama administration says too many job applicants are rejected on that alone even before they get a fair chance to compete for the position. A new rule is being proposed that would prohibit federal agencies from asking certain job applicants such questions until a conditional offer of employment has been made. The rules would not apply for positions dealing with national security, intelligence, and law enforcement. Michael Barr, Bloomberg Radio. On Saturday, Americans can safely drop off their old pills as part of a semi-annual take-back day. The DEA's Chuck Rosenberg says officials are trying to address a national crisis. It's important for folks to know that this is completely anonymous. We just want those medicines out of their cabinets so other people down the line don't get hurt. 
46,000 Americans died of drug overdoses last year. Puerto Rico's health secretary says the island has recorded its first Zika-related death. A 70-year-old man infected died from a drop in blood platelets in February. The U.S. territory has seen more than 600 Zika cases, 73 of those involve pregnant women. Senator Chuck Schumer's pushing new laws to help the state's school districts test their water for lead contamination. He says discoveries of high lead levels in more than 60 samples show testing is needed. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists in more than 150 news bureaus around the world. From the Bloomberg Newsroom, I'm Mark Crumpton. Catherine? Thank you. And now let's get a quick update of the equity benchmarks. Dow Industrial Average is down 133 points at 17,697. S&P 500 down 20 points to 2,055. The Nasdaq is down 50 at 47.55. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. This is Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. China, taking a look at China in the context of the country's economy. Also, China taking steps yesterday to impose greater control and limit the influence of Westerners on Chinese society, passing a new law that restricts the work of foreign organizations and their local partners, mainly through police surveillance. Here to help us survey the Chinese economy and the country is Arthur Krober. He is the author of a new book entitled China's Economy, What Everyone Needs to Know, and he is a founding partner of GavCal Dragonomics. Arthur, thank you very much for coming into the studio. First, begin by telling us about GavCal Dragonomics. Why is it called Dragonomics? Well, Dragonomics is a company that I founded in Beijing in 2002 to provide economic information about China to uh, institutional investors, companies, governments, anyone who's interested in what's going on there. Uh, And, uh, you know, Dragon stands for China and Nomics is economics. And so that's what it's all about. So uh, it's a, a very interesting time in China's politics and its culture and its society, so many challenges they face. And the markets have made so much of this slowdown. You know, it used to be 10, 11 percent, now below 7. And some would say it's much weaker, maybe 3.5 percent, because the Chinese uh, measurements aren't necessarily accurate. But is, is, is it partly that their economy is so much bigger and more mature that that early stage double-digit growth could never happen now, and that if you put it in more perspective, you'd say, yeah, it's an economy with challenges like any other economy, but the growth rate is fairly healthy. Yeah, that's basically right. And i just like to say, I mean, there's a lot of commentary that you can't believe the Chinese numbers and the actual growth rate is much lower than they report. And and basically, I think you should ignore those kinds of statements. There are definitely some issues with Chinese statistics, uh, and there's a bit of a margin of error on either side. But the people who kind of make those statements ignore the fact that China is now a two-track economy. There's an old economy that's related to investment and capital spending and so forth. And that's in some serious trouble. Uh, and it's growing very slowly. But there's a new economy of uh, consumer spending and services that's going incredibly rapidly and is very vibrant. And, yeah, I think your basic point is correct, that uh, this is a natural transition. China grew for about 30, 35 years at a very high rate, building all the infrastructure for a modern economy. And every country that's gone through that, Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, and before that, the European countries, uh, you get to the end of that stage, and then you have to have an economy that's built on consumer spending, services, efficiency, and the natural growth rate is a lot slower. So a lot of the slowdown that we're seeing in China is related to that transition. 
the role of the Communist Party and particularly the organization department. Tell people about this. Well, okay, so China is kind of a weird amalgam. Uh, it's a very dynamic economy that many elements of it are highly capitalist and highly competitive and almost Wild West in their nature. Uh, and it's married to a political system that's still highly Leninist and controlled and authoritarian and centralized and in a lot of ways hasn't changed that much uh, in the last uh, 20 years. Uh, and the Communist Party obviously is at the center of that. And one of the mechanisms that they use to uh, control uh, the country is that they uh, their their personnel department, their human resources department, appoints not only all the top government officials, but the heads of all the main media organizations, the heads of all the universities, the think tanks, uh, all the top judges, uh, etc. It's very comprehensive. Um, and you could think, well, this is a really bad way of running things to have one central HR department for a country of 1.4 billion people. But they've actually managed it pretty well because um, they have a system of bringing people up based on some kind of objective criteria, rotating them through jobs and making sure that people don't stay around in any one job for too long. So as these things go, it's it's a pretty effective mechanism. Arthur, Carl Walter was on our show recently. He's the former CEO, COO of J.P. Morgan in China. He spent a long time there. You mentioned tensions rising in China now and uh, uh, President Xi Jinping being reluctant to trim back the state role, role and let markets rule. Carl took it a step further. He said that there's a sense that there's uh, something more akin to how the, the cult of Mao and how that rule was, that, that, that regime was structured and how it ran things, it seems to be, some of that seems to be ha- possibly cropping back in Xi Jinping. What do you think? Uh, well, first I have to say Carl's uh, an old friend of mine and I have uh, enormous respect for his uh, knowledge and judgment. Um, I have a slightly different take on that. I, where I would disagree is I don't think that Xi Jinping is the reincarnation of Mao. It's a very different country. It's a very different system. The bureaucracy is much more powerful. Uh, and he is using a few Maoist tactics, but fundamentally uh, is, is a much more sort of organizationally oriented sort of uh, sort of leader. Uh, I, I think where, where Carl is on the mark, and this would be my big concern too, is that China needs to make this transition to a more consumer and service-oriented economy. What that means is that the state needs to take a step back. It doesn't need to go away necessarily, but it needs to step back. It needs to give more space for market forces in the private sector. And what we've seen in China is a mixture. Uh, We've seen some policies that seem to move in that direction, and then we've seen some real reluctance to let market Mm -hmm. forces fully play out. So there's, I think, uh, I think there is a real risk that uh, there will be some hiccups uh, on the way to China's uh, uh, transition to a consumer-led economy. Arthur Grover, you'll have to follow all these developments with us. Check out his new book, China's Economy, What Everyone Needs to Know. This is Bloomberg Radio. Bloomberg Taking Stock is brought to you by Bentley University. What do rebooting America's oldest ski shop and crunching numbers at Vistaprint have in common? An MBA from Bentley University that prepares graduates to innovate and lead because businesses everywhere prepare here.